0: Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Dirk Stanley, CMIO at UConn Health. In part one, Dr. Stanley talks about how the concept of blueprints before build can create better workflows and increase buy-in, the frustration providers feel when they can't access information at the point of care, and what leaders can do to help mitigate it, and the four types of testing that are necessary to ensure workflows are effective. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but first, a brief word from our sponsor.
1: At CrowdStrike, we stop breaches, and since threat actors often show up with legitimate credentials, stopping them can be tough, especially if your Active Directory hygiene has been less than perfect. But you can secure Active Directory now and clean up later. Find out more about identity protection and AD hardening at CrowdStrike.com/slash healthcare.
0: We like to start with a high-level overview, really just, just to give some background, kind of lay the groundwork for you know, where we're going to go. But yeah, if you could kind of give that bird's eye view from your perspective of uh, UConn Health.
1: So UConn Health is an academic, research, and clinical institution that is a, a big foundational part of the state uh, University of Connecticut. So we are under the University of Connecticut. We have UConn Health. And we provide largely the clinical and academic and research expertise for a very large number of projects in the state of Connecticut. And we also provide a lot of specialty services, sometimes for hard to find clinical specialties. You know, we provide those services. And we also provide a lot of, you know, sort of routine kind of bread and butter, medicine, surgery, specialty surgery, specialty procedures. Specialty procedures. We provide the gamut of different functions in the state of Connecticut. That's what we do. Okay.
0: Okay. So I really want to look at what you're focused on right now. Um, Obviously, there's always a lot going on, always a lot of areas that need attention. But if you could just talk about really what you consider your key areas of focus right now.
1: Well, I'm the CMIO, so my focus is largely the physicians and nurses and pharmacists and all the people who are on the front line, making sure that they have the tools they need and the support they need to deliver great patient care. And the way we provide those tools and the way we provide that support is there's a whole toolbox of tools and a whole toolbox of support that we use to accomplish mm-hmm. So one of the things that I believe strongly in is making blueprints before you build. And I even created the Twitter hashtag blueprints before build because, you know, before you start any configuration, you really have to know what problem are we trying to solve and like who are the people involved in the workflow and what sequence are, are doctors and nurses and pharmacists all interacting with each other. You really need to go through that rigorous analysis before, you know, you start your build. The other thing that blueprints allow you to do is they allow you to almost make like a tabletop walkthrough of what the future state workflow is going to be, and then make sure that Mm -hmm. you have alignment. Like, you know, if you've ever heard the concept of trying to get all the cats marching in the same direction, like there's nothing better than having an actual written document that explains who's going to do which step in the process, and then make sure they agree to do those steps. So not only do my blueprints create that agreement, but they also... For the analyst, it's then easy peasy. They're not rebuilding things over and over and over again. And they also don't have surprises where sometimes one doctor has some really good ideas, but they haven't sort of enlisted the other physicians to make sure that they all agree and have buy-in. And sometimes good ideas can go wrong if if you don't have the buy-in, the necessary buy-in before the implementation. So by Mm. making sure that you have blueprints before you do the build, That way you help make sure that you have the adequate buy-in and it just, it creates a much more seamless process. So then when the workflow rolls out, everyone knows exactly what they're supposed to do. Everything is properly staffed. Everything is properly scheduled. Everything is properly budgeted for. It makes a much more seamless process.
0: Right. That hasn't always been the case. And I'm not talking about your organization necessarily, but... I would imagine that's one of the challenges is trying to work backwards and when there is a build and it hasn't necessarily been done that way, is that something that you've had to manage as far as kind of going backwards?
1: Yeah, well, sometimes you have to change your configuration. Sometimes we've had to take stuff out of production at the same time as we're putting new stuff in. And But, you know, it's not any different than how we build houses and cars and bridges and dams. They all started as blueprint. And so my job as a clinical informaticist is to meet with the homeowners, as I say, you know, like the clinical users on the front end and ask them, what do you want your home to look like? Like, you know, is it a one story house, a two story house? Is the kitchen on the ground floor and the bathroom is on the second floor? You kind of need to like yeah. understand what they want to use the house for. Is it for elderly people? Is it for young kids? Maybe we want to make a water slide off the back porch or something. So you have to know. Who's gonna live in the house? How are they planning on using it before you can really come up with a set of blueprints? Once you show the blueprints and you can see people get excited, they're like, oh, that would be so cool. So wait a second, if we had a water slide to a trampoline, you know, we mm. could burn off so much energy and it'd be such great exercise. And that's how you kind of start securing buy-in, right?
0: Right. And as far as EHR optimization, I just wanted to kind of get your take on on how you approach that you know, as far as like, is this an ongoing thing or what's really your approach when it comes to that?
1: So optimization is such a big discussion. It's almost several different discussions, right? There's right. the routine upkeep and maintenance of everything you've configured. And then there's the stuff that really needs to be like reevaluated, rebuilt. And we have, we have a lot of both, you know? So the first thing is just knowing what to work on, right? So that requires a whole infrastructure there of you know, how do you identify what needs upkeep and how do you identify what needs real repair and, you know, sort of redo. So for that, you need intake processes and project management and governance to, you know, decide what are the high priority things for the institution. So once you have that, all that infrastructure built and that governance built, then you know, like what to work on and you have at least a priority. So, you know, like, how many hours to spend on project A versus how many hours to spend on project B. And I can also say that you can't do it without a good project management team. You, know, you need people who really mm-hmm. understand how to manage the deliverables and you know, all the stakeholders and make sure that people stay in their timeline. I guess the area where I come in is, uh, you know, from a clinical informatics standpoint, I'm sort of one of the early people who analyzes things to look at like, what is the workflow? What's the current state workflow? And understanding the current state workflow and documenting the current state workflow, that's like your point A. If you're trying Mm -hmm. to get from point A to point B, you need to know point A. So I get involved very much in documenting the point A. And then once I know the point A and who the stakeholders are, I can meet with them and develop then the point B. Where do they want to go? And so once I have a good vision of how to get from point A to point B, Then I go back to our project management team and often other leaders to discuss what are the deliverables exactly that we're going to need, who exactly are the stakeholders we're going to need, would the project sort of look like, could we do this as one whole project or do we need to break it up into different projects? And then setting up an engagement strategy with the leaders in those areas so that they understand both point A and point B and that they're in agreement to move from point A to point B. And so I involved a lot in the early analysis and then the development and the execution of all these projects.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. It really is such a broad area when you talk about optimization that you can understand why it is such a, such a big priority to make sure that you know, these systems are as user-friendly as possible without being to the detriment of the IT organization.
1: And it's a lot to maintain. You know, when you think about like an average healthcare institution, you're talking about everything from the ICU, to your inpatient units, to your labor and delivery, to your psych, to your emergency department, to your operating rooms, to your procedural areas, to your clinics, to your off-site care, like you might have hospice or nursing home uh, workers. And it's so much. And every one of those groups, they have their own tools and Every time a medical journal gets published, you know, there's people publishing evidence about why you need to update those tools. So you're sort of in the grand central station and every train is trying to get through. So you have to, you know, a lot of it is sort of being a conductor, like, okay, if we move this person through, then that person has to wait. But then we can get this person through. It's a lot of coordination.
0: Yeah, I can
1: imagine
0: And are there certain um, committees set up just as far as when there are changes that are being requested? How is that something that uh, you manage?
1: So I don't really manage the prioritization committees, largely our senior leadership. And they're the Mm -hmm. ones ultimately who are responsible for the overall operations of the organizations. You know, I work with our IT team and with our clinical leaders to prepare things for that committee, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it's their decision if Project A and Project B need to, you know, shift positions. They're the ones who have to sort of decide, you know, which project crosses the finish line next. So they're largely involved in that. So we have an IT prioritization committee that's largely Mm -hmm. populated with the leadership of our and they continuously meet with our head of our project management to look at, like the projects in progress and the projects that are, you know, being queued up. and, And then they have to sort of decide what we have resources for and what the priority is for all these.
0: So with all the mergers, acquisitions, everything going on right now, there, there's so many organizations, so many leaders we speak to who are going through uh, you know, migrations again. And just wanted to talk a bit about your, your own experience with the Epic rollout and what were some of the things that your team did right or wrong, but some of those takeaways, because I think that's something that people are really looking for information on this right now.
1: I think, you know, just getting operational is a phenomenal amount of work, right? That's an Mm. unbelievable amount of work and certainly work very closely with our leadership and and not just clinical leadership. We work with like finance and and electronic medical record even impacts HR. How, when you hire new people, how do you give them passwords and what accounts Mm, do you give them and what security access do you give? So, you know, just managing the large volume of conversations to get live is, is quite a monumental task. And so I'm very happy to report that in April of 2018, we were able to do that. And um, I think the optimization efforts that we're currently engaging in, you know, a lot of them are related to either things that kind of routine bread and butter sort of optimization that comes with owning any sort of clinical content and three years later, there's always stuff that needs to be updated. There's new drugs on the market, new therapies and new machines and new equipment and stuff. So a lot of that is involved in routine sort of things. Sometimes we uncover during the process things that needed to be optimized maybe before the epic go live. But if it wasn't optimized before the epic go live, you know, we have to optimize it after the epic go live. And you
0: mm-hmm. know, some stuff
1: probably would have been easier to optimize before the go live, but you know and in some cases we were able to do that in other cases time didn't really permit us to do that so you know we're engaged in optimizing those processes now
0: right i mean it's the prime example where you're talking about blueprint before build that i'm sure that really comes into play and will continue to come into play for years after
1: yeah and because it's very easy without blueprints it's easy to miss a room right and So you can build a house and then have this like, oh, we left a space for a kitchen, but we didn't actually build a kitchen. Do you need to use the kitchen? (laughs) Like as a physician, it's very, very frustrating when you're trying to take care of a patient sitting in front of you and there's a missing step in the process. Yeah. And doctors and nurses and pharmacists will overcome that missing step. You know, they'll pick up the phone, they'll send the email, they'll do whatever it takes to make sure that the patient gets the care that they need. But, you know, if you have to order a procedure and it takes like multiple phone calls to make sure that the procedure happens or that the necessary authorizations have been obtained, or, you know, that the scheduling has been correctly done or whatever, it's frustrating. And I think that is one area where in planning the move from point A to point B, we need to make sure when we arrive at point B that every step of the workflow is accounted for. And there's a whole rigor of change management that when you're testing what you're about to put into production, you want to make sure not just that you're doing your unit testing and your integrated testing and your regression testing, but you also need to do end user acceptance testing and making sure that those four testing steps are included before you roll it out is really helpful in making sure that you've covered the entire workflow. Yeah,
0: as far as that end user acceptance that seems like something that that could be tricky when you're dealing with different personalities so any kind of thoughts on how how well, no. maybe how that can be approached
1: well you know in healthcare like pretty much everybody agrees on the same thing you know that that's well
0: like, of course <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it's very very complicated and even inside the same department sometimes the doctors and nurses don't agree on you know what the best solution is so very often mm-hmm. you know we usually start with frontline providers, physicians and nurses and pharmacists who are involved in the workflow. But when they can't come to agreement, then we have to escalate it usually to their bosses and their department chiefs and and then plan a meeting like, how are we going to do this going forward? And so they also play an important role in getting alignment and ultimately people to sign off on the blueprints.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, Visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com/podcast.